Hey, all you Theosciples! I'm Michael. And I'm Brendan from Finding Christ in Cinema. You are listening to the Theonauts Podcast with your hosts, David and Jeremiah. Right here at gctnetwork.com. Your Great Commission Transmission. <laughs> I wrote a book. It's the Theonauts. Episode 169. The one where 491 is too much. The Theonauts Podcast. Christian news from around the globe. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. Explore the vast reaches of God's Word. Hello, all you Theo Josepharians out there. I'm David Gaddy. I'm Jeremiah Orr. Together we are... The Theonauts! Hey, man, how are you? Good, good. Two weeks in a row. We better not make a habit of this. We are on a roll, dude. That's right. It's happening. It is. It is. I'm so excited. Yeah, we kind of missed our Sunday night window. Yeah, well, I I got sick. I I didn't even show up to church. I missed your hour and a half sermon. Wasn't quite <coughs> an hour and a half. Well, how how long was it? Fifty five minutes. Fifty five minutes. That's <laughs> awesome. It's great. Christina loved it though. She she told me it was amazing. Well, the it was the content, not me. Oh yeah, Romans Romans five. five. That's good stuff. I can't wait till you get to Romans six. That's yeah. next. This it's, this coming Sunday. Yeah, Sunday. That's awesome. <laughs> so, how is walking yeah. through Romans refreshing I, you? I love it. Mm-hmm. I, it's like, um, it is. I feel very Martin Luther ish, like like Romans sure. changed my theology. Sure, and so um, it's still new and exciting, kind of. So I mean, I think we preach <clears throat> through Romans honestly, either non like not saying that we're preaching through Romans, but preaching through Romans more than any other book that we preached at the way yet. Like because we did the the five solas thing, and right. I mean that was Romans, right? Pretty much. Uh, we did a um, the, gospel the series. gospel series, and that was, I mean, it's Romans, right? Mm-hmm. So I mean, and now we're flat out preaching <laughs> through Romans. It's yeah. an important book of the Bible. That's I, I think that's a that's a watershed moment in the Bible. Well, I actually threw up the uh, Martin Luther quote about it, where he says, "Of all the texts in the Bible." Chapter 5 of Romans is the most triumphant. Yeah, that's good. I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. And it, and it is. It, and once again, Holy Spirit was completely working in the music that uh, Kevin led worship in. Yeah. And the, the songs he chose were just perfect for it. And then um, one of the songs that he he led was Man of Sorrows. Oh. So it was really good. And then um, Michael got up and did uh, the, the Lord's Supper, the communion. Uh-huh. And... The angle he took, he was like, a lot of times we come to this table and we, we, we focus on this like it's a funeral and it's a sad event and it's all solemn and et cetera, et cetera. He says, but you know, something great happened, even though we're remembering a death and we're remembering the pain and all this, something great happened and yeah. we should be celebrating this. This should be a feast. This should be something that we are excited about. Sure. And I'm like... Romans chapter five. Baby. Here we go. Yep, that's awesome. Because <laughs> that's the whole point. In sure. This in this we rejoice. Sure. It's like he gives us the the meat of it there in, in chapter four that it's not works, it's faith, and then all of a sudden chapter five comes in and bam, we rejoice in this and we can Amen. have hope in it. Well, I've been uh, teaching at school um, through the Bible and we just hit Exodus forty. So we just finished the tabernacle, mm. you know, and the makeup of the tabernacle. Right. We talked about the sheet dividing the holy the holies, and I love watching their little faces light up when we talk about Jesus and how the veil ripped from top to bottom whenever he he died on the cross. And this picture of us being free to go boldly into the holy of holies and approach God now, whereas right. back then it was if you even. If you weren't a high priest and you walked back there, you'd die, you know, mm-hmm. or if you touched the ark and all this different stuff. And so, uh, you know, it's it's triumphant. It's wonderful, even though you're right. It's, you know, it's a death, but it's a great death. Yeah, so, yeah. So, has, um, so how has your life been this past week, man? Uh, pretty good. I've been 
Sick. Besides the sickness. Yeah, but uh, everything's great. We finally got settled into our house pretty much. Um, I have a million boxes on my back stoop from from unpacking, but we're liking it, and God's good and taking care of us, and so well, I can see the church out my uh, front window, which is great. <laughs> yes. I can walk right. to it. Down and, the road. Yep. It's wonderful. Yeah. I love well, it. Well, man, it's been like... My parents are now moving. Right. So it's like I keep transitioning. So I'm moving <laughs> everybody but myself. <laughs> you mind me next. Yeah. So it's been, uh, it's been a crazy busy week. Uh, the people that I work with are actually in India this, right. this week. And, and well, they're coming back today, which means they'll be completely useless tomorrow. Right. Uh, they really won't be back at work on Thursday. But, um, but the funny thing is we're completely almost like 12 hours difference. Yeah. I think it's maybe even over that. But, uh, so it's like, I'm getting texts like at the most worst hours ever. And I'm sure they are too. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and sometimes I'm playing with it. You know, I'm just like texting right. like, good morning. It's like three in the afternoon for me. It's <laughs> <laughs> like waking them up at the hotel. That's awesome. But, uh, wow. any, anyway, yeah, it's been, oh, crazy today. I was putting out fires left and right. Sure. Just, Insane right now at work, but um, it's always nice to come home to the uh, the Theonauts. It's kind of like a, <coughs> a harbor from the storm for us. Yes, so kind of neat, and it is really cool. So, uh, so we ready to get going into this episode? Let's hit it. All right, let me find my buttons. You know, it's I spent so long away from this. <laughs> Forgiveness. That's right. So this is a topic, another one of the topics that that was presented to us by our listeners. And if you have ideas for topics, shoot them out to us. It's great. Mm-hmm. We'll get to them eventually. And this one was given a, a while back, and it's a very, um, it's an interesting topic. I don't think you know. Uh, there's, well, there is actually a ton theologically we can talk about with it, but oh, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, it's all over the place. But I think that there's there's a lot of practicality to this topic as well, and it's something that. That needs to be examined. So, um, yeah, the listener that wrote in didn't did not want uh, the background of her question, you know, uh, read on the air, which is great, so, right? But it gave us a good idea of, of where to come at, which sure. direction to come at um, for this topic, because we struggle all the time in our lives. Because, I mean, let's face it, life is messy. Yeah, relationships are messy. Yeah, and if you're married, you're living with a person for any amount of time at all. This is messy. Right. I mean, this is because people will always disagree about stuff. Yeah. And our personalities get in the way. Our egos get in the way. All this stuff gets in the way. And the questions that are really posed is not really about Jesus or God forgiving us. It's more in the terms of how can we forgive? Right. Should we, and how are we forgiven by others? Like, can like the question was was raised about how can I ask for forgiveness for something I don't feel I was wrong in, right? And so uh, those are questions that we're going to try and and tackle a little bit. Uh, sure. Jerry and I both kind of looked at it from different uh, angles, so it'll be kind of cool to hear it all uh, meshed together. Sure, I, I've kind of looked at it from this um, uh, more of a uh, psychological standpoint. And um, and your standpoint was more straightforward, practical, right? Steps you can take in in forgiving, right? Which right. I think are important. So, so uh, we should be have a, we should have a pretty well rounded episode, that's right? <laughs> but I think I think it um, it's important to look at this from a biblical standpoint um, in the start. What what the Bible has to say about forgiveness, and really, honestly, the Bible is. One big forgiveness story, isn't it? Yeah. When you think about it, uh, it's it's the overarching story of the gospel mm-hmm. uh, that man sinned against God and needed forgiveness from those sins, and um, not just forgiveness, but total freedom from amnesty. those sins and amnesty from <laughs> yeah. those and, and total uh, yeah total um, yeah well freedom from those sins, and so uh, in fact. All throughout Scripture, you see the idea of forgiveness, and it starts with. I mean, you can look in the Psalms. You can see, um, uh, for instance, Psalm fifty-one, which is one of the greatest. Oh yeah, uh, Psalms where David has sinned against God, 
and uh, and, and uh, did the whole Bathsheba thing, which, I mean, if you looked at that... Uh, Murder. Yeah, from, from an out, outside standpoint. <laughs> Lying. Pretty bad, pretty <laughs> severe stuff. And yet God... Our, David asks for forgiveness from God for it, and, and God does forgive him, uh, completely forgives him, purges him with hyssop, hyssop and he's made new, right? And this mm-hmm. whole idea of complete and utter um, separation from the sin. And so... Even in passages that we, that we commonly memorize, right. the quote-unquote Lord's Prayer, yes. from Matthew 6, what does it say? It says... Forgive us our debts, or forgive us our trespasses, as we, we forgive those who That's trespass right. against us. And so, uh, and then of course, Jesus actually elaborates on those types of things. Um, verse fourteen of Matthew six says, "For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive their others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you your trespasses." Right. Which is come some heavy stuff, you know. Well, and okay, so you look at James, where James basically says, if you acknowledge your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive your sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness, right? John, first John. First John, yeah. did I say James? Yeah, but that's Sorry. good. James is on the brain. Yeah, James is on the brain. So, um, absolutely, uh, the the whole narrative of the Bible is about forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Um, and the problem that we have to begin with is sin. And so sin messes up our relationship with God, but it also messes up our relationship with others. When sin entered the world, everything became jacked up whack, right? And so uh, you see uh, Adam and Eve being kicked out of the garden because of sin. You see... um, Cain and Abel, you know, Cain killing Abel because of sin. These are all things that that need to be forgiven, right? Um, They're all problems. And so, I mean, all through Psalm 32.5, I acknowledge my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said I will confess my transgression to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin, uh, which is pretty powerful. Um, then you have Proverbs, whoever covers an offense seeks love, but who re, uh, repeats a matter separates close friends. Um, if your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat. If he is thirsty, give him water to drink. Proverbs 25, yeah, wow. which is pretty interesting all the way back there. Um, yeah, Jesus Jesus wasn't preaching something new. No. You know, which true. is kind of funny. I mean, the, 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 the church is new. Like that was a somewhat right. of a new teaching, but... A mystery in the Old Testament, sure. But uh, this this concept of grace and forgiveness and all these things that we think are New Testament theology were really Old Testament theology too. Right. Uh, they were just not presented uh, in the same fashion. Sure. But Jesus made it clear, like he brought it to the forefront and said, "Okay, like Deuteronomy six is the basis for all of this. You love your neighbor, right, as yourself. You, and that and that really is going to be." kind of the the focal point of forgiveness too right. because you want forgiveness right for the when every time you trespass and you know it like you want forgiveness whether that's from a friend or a family member a loved one uh or god sure i mean you want to be forgiven and right. so and so therefore do unto others as you would have them do unto you sure. like that's the whole golden rule the the Love your neighbors as yourself, uh, Shema. Right. Everything <clears throat> is tied to um, treating others the way you'd like to be treated, which forgiveness falls squarely in the middle of that. Sure. Well, I mean, it's a central issue in that, right? Mm-hmm. Because you cannot have unity, you cannot have oneness, which is what Christ is so much about yeah. without forgiveness. Oh, yeah. y- you get people together and they're going to. They're gonna hurt each other. Yeah, and the closer they are, they're gonna hurt each other more. It's just it's a tragedy of the human condition in sin, and so the the uh, the opposite of that, the Christ like thing to do, which is so different than the world tells us to do, mm-hmm. is complete and utter forgiveness. Right, and complete and utter love through that pain, through that hurt. And the the more you forgive, the more unified you become. And so, I mean, that's a huge thing. Uh, 
Well, uh, I want to start out and talk about Joseph. I mentioned sure. being like Joseph, Josepharian type of thing. Yes. But the reason why I wanted to mention Joseph in, is because he's a classic story of forgiveness. Yeah. Like he, like it's almost unreal what Joseph went through. So if you're unfamiliar with the Joseph story, forgive me for telling it. <laughs> but to, to, to kind of build this up. Uh, so, you know, Joseph is, is obviously... Um, that's the one bad thing about having this hooked up wow. here. Wow. <laughs> is notifications. Sure. Oh, sorry. A uh, friend just sent me a text. <laughs> so Joseph is, um, so as a, as, a, as a young child, he has this, this vision. And in the vision, he sees his, um, his brothers uh, bowing down before him. Right. And he, you know... Being a kid, sure, blatantly talks about this, and it makes everybody jealous, and they they don't like Joseph, and he's the kind of the favored child anyway. Gets the 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 special coat made by his his mom and dad. So anyway, um, because of their jealousy, they don't really don't know what to do with him. They toss him in this well, and uh, until slave traders come along, and then they end up selling him right to slave traders who take him to Egypt, and so his own family sold him out. Yeah, and of course, then they lied to to his father and told him, oh, you know, an animal killed him." Sure, and uh, so anyway, he goes to Egypt as a slave, um, but he he makes the best of his situation. He becomes a house slave, which is as good as you could probably get as a slave. Right. He's he's working in the in the house of Potiphar, who's well up the ladder in the Egyptian um, monarchy, and um, and he ends up being seduced by. The, the woman of the house. Right. Which he turns her down, and she lies and says that, he, that Joseph attacked her, which then gets him thrown into prison. prison. Right. So he's in prison for years, and, and um, he has this knack for interpreting dreams, and he did so for some fellow prisoners who also got out of prison and ended up serving the Pharaoh. And the Pharaoh was like, had some dreams, couldn't figure out what they meant, and all of a sudden this came up, Joseph gets out of prison, and because Joseph can foretell what the dreams mean, and it had a big, uh, it had a big uh, impact mm. on the very nation of Egypt. So he ends up getting put uh, second in command of all of Egypt, the, 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 the boy who was sold as a slave. So anyway, he went through all this as a as a slave and as a prisoner and all this stuff for years and years and years and years, and um, now he's second in command. Yeah. Well, a famine hits the land, and guess who comes knocking at the door? His, his brothers. His brothers. That's right. <laughs> they have no idea that the second in command of Egypt is their little brother that they sold into slavery, and the the telling point of this whole story there's all kinds of drama that happens <clears throat> as he tests them and and things of this nature and he, i think he's struggling with forgiveness that whole time i think so too way. he has a younger brother now mm-hmm. that he didn't Benjamin. even know he had right and so anyway he's he's dealing with all this and uh finally they get to the point where they're scared to death of him because right. they're like okay he's gonna kill us because of what we did to him yeah obviously like that's what we deserve we deserve death and um, Joseph makes this profound statement finally, and he says, "You meant what you did to me. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for the good." Mm. And what awesome insight! Because he realized if I'd not been sold into slavery, I would not have been in Potiphar's home. If I hadn't been in Potiphar's home, I would not have been accused of something I didn't do and got thrown in jail. If I hadn't been in jail with the prisoners I was with, I would not have had an audience with Pharaoh and would not have been able to interpret it, these dreams, and I would not have been able to do what God wanted me to do, which was to serve God from this position. Right. And to save Israel in the process. Yeah. So the cool thing here is that he had enough insight to realize that those malicious intents mean nothing in the eyes of God. Like, God is in control anyway. Sure. And so because of that, he was able to open his heart and forgive them. And I think that's the key of where we're going to be going to in a lot of this, is that people are, people will always do things against you. Right. But you have to try and find 
the ability to find the good there and to find the strength to forgive. So anyway, do you want to talk a little bit about um, well these steps of forgiveness you're talking about? Or I had a couple that I just want to pull out in, in Scripture real quick. Luke is a really good uh, gospel when it comes to forgiveness. You have the you have the whole idea of the seventy times seven, right? Right. Um, oh yeah, yeah. And then you have if Luke seventeen three through four. Pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. If you repent, and a lot of people miss that. If your brother sins, rebuke him. Um, that's not. It's it, it is okay to go to a brother who sins against you, mm-hmm. and say, "Hey, man, this happened." Yeah, what's up with that? What's up with that? It's an, it's okay if he repents, forgive him. If he sins against you seven times in a day and turns to you seven times saying, "I repent," you must forgive him. <laughs> That's amazing, the statement. And then uh, one of my favorite uh, scriptures, and as far as forgiveness is, is the woman who who busts into the meeting and and. Uh, and washes Jesus' feet with her tears? Yes, yes. So, uh, then turning towards the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house, and you gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. And mm. he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Yeah. So this whole picture of... It's beautiful. I love it. <laughs> that's right. The The point he's he's making is, realize how much you've been forgiven. Yeah. Because if you've been for if you realize that you're able to forgive anything, yeah. really, honestly, it has a huge impact. When you're forgiven of something, like you, then you want to reciprocate, right? That you want to make up for it. You want to love the exactly. person who forgive you, who yeah. forgave you. And you know, uh, what do you do though if the person doesn't ask for forgiveness? Mm-hmm. Do you then decide? Well, I'm not going to forgive that person because they don't ask for forgiveness. And my answer is actually the first step before they ask for forgiveness is to forgive them in your heart. Mm-hmm. Even even before they ask, or even if they don't ask, you should you should forgive them. And you have a psychological thing because of that. But I, I want to get to so I found I found a really good uh, article on this. I've been thinking about it, and um, Christianity Today um, talks about how to forgive. Even if it's um, even if these are tough issues, say some of the worst things. I mean, um, imagine you know murder or something like that. How do yeah. you how do you forgive that person? Um, the first thing, the first step is you you cannot put aside you you cannot put aside the hurt, the pain. Right. You have to experience that, and you you can't hide it. Forgiveness is not not acknowledging the hurt. Right. That's right. not forgiveness. Because if you're trying not to acknowledge the hurt, then you're not going to acknowledge that you need to forgive the person. Right. right. So you've got to openly acknowledge the hurt. Um, and this says sometimes it's hard to admit you've been hurt because it, in doing so it intensifies the feelings. But you won't be able to work through the pain unless you admit that you're hurting. Tears are a pretty good indicator that something's wrong. So are feelings of resentment. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> perhaps you're living in a marriage where you know you're resenting the person. Um, that's 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 an indicator that you, that you're hurt, and you have to acknowledge that elephant in the room. You have to say, "Yeah, I'm, I've been hurt by this." Yeah. After you acknowledge it, you need to analyze it. Uh, don't just look at it and put it in a box. Analyze the pain. Think through the pain. Be honest about how you feel. Even if you think you shouldn't feel that way, admit that you don't like what happened or how you were treated and that it makes you sad and angry. Uh, a great way to do this would be journaling, writing down feelings. Uh, journaling is a, a brilliant idea for processing emotions. Uh, Rich Mullins, one of my heroes, um, had a lot of hurt and resentment towards his father growing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, his father never said I love you 
It was one of the biggest things. And so uh, he died whenever Rich was in his uh, early 40s, I think, and never never acknowledged he loved him or anything. And that hurt Rich, right? Right. And so he was at a retreat, and uh, his retreat counselor, Brendan Manning, told him he wanted him to write two letters. The first one, he wanted to write a letter to to his dad. Uh, and then the second one, he wanted to write, wanted him to write a letter as if he were his dad writing it to Rich. Right, right. And just doing that w- allowed him to process that pain. Uh, you need to go through some form of a process, uh, whatever it is, journaling, um, <laughs> listening to music, uh, praying through it, just process it. Um, admit to God, talk to God like he's verbally there. God, I'm angry. I'm hurt because of this. Yeah, because he is happened. there. That's right. <laughs> exactly. Um, the third thing you do, and this might be kind of tough, put yourself in the shoes of your offender. Think about a time when you have wronged another person, maybe your parents, a sibling, or a, fin, a friend. You needed their forgiveness. Did the person extend forgiveness to you or withhold it? How did it make you feel? When it comes to forgiving others, remember uh, the words of Jesus. In everything, do, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. The Shema, right? Yeah. So the idea is take a step back and realize that you are in their shoes. Mm-hmm. Whether or not you want to admit that, whether or not you want to put yourself on the same playing field as them. We're all broken. We're all broken and we're all equal. And, uh, and so we, we need to put ourselves in the shoes of our offender and realize that, you know, we, we've hurt people too. Mm -hmm. And it may not be in your eyes, the severity of how they've hurt you. Um, but you need to stop the yeah, buts, and you need to actually acknowledge that you're just as sinful as they are. Um, and you've had to ask for forgiveness but and you've also you know been rejected forgiveness. Yeah, and, and sometimes whenever you you might think, "Hey, I've done nothing wrong," but 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 what you may have done still hurts somebody, right? Whether it's wrong in your eyes or not, and right. so the acknowledgement is is not even necessarily, "Hey, forgive me because I was in the wrong," as much as it is, "Forgive me because I hurt you." Yeah, and so so that may be. You know, you may have been vindicated in your mind for what you said or what you did, right? But you have to acknowledge when you put yourself in somebody else's shoes, you have to acknowledge that, okay, but that still hurt, or they took it wrong, or whatever. And yeah. you can even you can apologize for the pain, right, that you inflicted, right, uh, without acknowledging wrong, exactly, necessarily. I'm so sorry that you were, you were hurting, like mm-hmm. you know, and they may not, they may find it condescending. But be honest about it, you know, if you're sorry about that. Mm -hmm. So um, number four, remember that God forgave you. And I think this is probably the biggest step in this whole thing. Yes. By remembering that you have been forgiven much so that you can forgive much. Um, Those that cannot forgive tend to forget that they've been forgiven. Mm. And if you're a Christian... You've admitted that you need God's forgiveness. Remembering how he forgave you when you didn't deserve it can help you forgive others. You may not be ready at this point to voice your forgiveness to your offender. In fact, communication with the person may be impossible. If, for example, the person is no longer living, that's okay. You can forgive someone without having your offender accept your forgiveness, Mm. which is a big deal. Yeah. Um and you you need to realize that there's two people playing in this court. Right. There's you and there's the offender or there's you as the offender and the, there's the person that you've offended, quote unquote, whether or not they're willing to accept it or whether or not they're willing to say I'm sorry doesn't change how you you're supposed to respond to the situation. Right. You're still called to forgive them uh because you've been forgiven. Yeah, my God. Let me let me th- uh, dovetail some of my thoughts into that because uh, one of the first things I wanted to look at here is that forgiveness is at the core of our emotional well-being. Mm-hmm. S- <clears throat> Excuse me. So, um, if you don't forgive somebody, you can become emotionally sick. Like you can become bitter, angry. You can re- hold this resentment in your heart. So, like, go to the example of someone who has passed. The, what you're doing is not for their benefit. 
when you forgive somebody and largely with their living too. I mean, what you're doing is not for the benefit of the person you're forgiving. It is for you. Like you are going to be emotionally sick. A lot of times the person doesn't even care right. if you forgive them or not. They don't even care if they've hurt you. Right. That, that, that's going to be the situation in many, many of these, these uh, things that we go through. But for your own well-being, it is good for you to forgive because if you don't, you're going to be emotionally sick. You're going to be bitter. You're going to be angry. You're going to hold these things and hold these grudges. And sometimes for years and years and years, and that pain can bottle up and become worse and worse and worse. Yeah. And until you can release that right. through um, an acknowledgement of forgiveness, then you're, gonna, you're going to suffer. You are going to suffer. Right. I think we've all seen or heard of people who, and these are usually older people, because they've lived long enough that it becomes this, who for whatever reason tend to reject society, tend to become angry, mm-hmm. tend to become bitter. You've heard them called old biddies, right? <laughs> right. Usually there is some episode or some um, dealing in their past where they were hurt mm. and they were never able to forgive that person. What what hurt are you inflicting on somebody else when you become the old biddy? All you're doing is hurting yourself, right? And so what happens is, is you become crotchety, you become you become angry, and you um, are unable to have relationships that are meaningful mm. and unable to invite other people into your life. Because you still hold resentment and you're afraid that... You become an angry person. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, that's, this is... Um, I'm borrowing from an article from New Life, by the way. Um, and they say here, this is really cool. It says, unresolved anger keeps us from moving forward because it locks us in a time machine. Yeah. Frozen on the exact moment when a particular offense occurred... Fear of further injury makes us unwilling to move to new levels of relationship, not only with those who have hurt us, but with anyone who represents any type of similar threat. Sure. So I want to use an example. My parents don't listen to this podcast, (laughs) so I can use them. Um, Have you forgiven them for that? Yes, I forgive you, Mom and Dad. Go ahead. (laughs) They'll probably listen to this. Oh, they will. I'm sure. (laughs) That's the way it happens. <laughs> so anyway, um, uh, I, I want to use my dad as an, exa- as an example. Um, so my dad was from a broken home as a uh, as a child and uh, teenager, and he did not get along at all with his stepmother, and he moved out at the age of sixteen, lived on his own uh, from the age sixteen on. Wow. Uh, in this in downtown Dallas, South Oak Cliff. Wow. So um, my dad was pretty much on the street from the time he was 16 until um, he got married. And, I mean, he was on his own. So anyway, uh, there's a lot of, of deep resentment because of what happened in that home. And I don't even know the full stories. This is my own dad. He's never, he has never opened these walls or these doors and, and shared with me uh, any details, but I know whatever it was that happened between him and his dad and his uh, stepmom that were seemingly unforgivable. Mm. Now, there was a little bit of peace made when I was a child, and we would go over to my step-grandmother's house for uh, Christmas, and um, she was just a grandma to me. I mean, I didn't know any different, right? Right. So, uh, but what was interesting is that when my granddad died, um, we basically stopped having any contact Wow, with him. And I didn't understand why. Like, it was confusing to me. Yeah. And, uh, of course, I was, an, I was a teen at this point. Um, and so I would ask mom and dad, why don't we ever see Grandma Pansy, you know? And, and, and it was always, well, you know, there's things there. You know, we just don't feel comfortable there. She's got a new, she's got her own life now. Hmm. You know, and all this. But anyway, there was always just this divide, and I always wanted my dad to try and reconcile there. Right. And it just, it never really happened. I mean, it 
there at the very end of of her life, it got a little better, and there was some reconciliation made right before she died. And uh, she passed, and uh, anyway, it was just a few years ago when we were cleaning up uh, and getting uh, my some of my grandfather's things, mm-hmm. and um, that my dad basically made peace with all of that. Wow! And forgave. Wow! What had happened previously sure. in his in his in his life, and actually had a real cordial and great um, reunion with uh, her other children, which is my dad's uh, stepbrothers and sisters, and which there was animosity. That was never like... Wow. And so they actually got together, and uh, they were like, well, hey, here's all these things that your dad left behind. Would you like some of them? And so you know, we ended up with all these... Inheritance of tools and stuff, and that my granddad had. He didn't have a lot of money, but he was a mechanic, and so we got all these things. And it was just kind of a, it was just so emotional. I remember because my dad took a trailer and went over there and got to go through his dad's stuff, stuff, and it was all because he forgave, right? And they came together, and this was after this woman passed away. Wow, and so. There's healing sure. inside of you. Like sure. it doesn't matter if the person's long gone. Like there is healing that, that you can go through if you make sure and forgive people. Right. Amen. And so you know that's that's the thing. Is this again the forgiveness only uh, only affects you? It really doesn't affect the other person half as much uh, when you decide to hold that in. Mm-hmm. Step number five: Remember that God commands us to forgive it's not it's not a forgive if you feel like it forgive if you want to it's you've been forgiven now go and forgive because he the biggest the number one thing that he wants us to do on this earth is to make disciples right right and the only way that we make disciples is through unity and love love of god and love of others and if we're not unified and if we're not loving it stops us from making disciples. And so forgiving your enemy was one of the biggest things that Jesus taught. Loving your enemy became a huge central part of his message. Right. Um, and it's so upside down from the world, and it's so countercultural because, um, I don't know, I'm a teacher, and so I've heard parents say to their kid, now, Johnny... You don't get in a fight, but if you get in a fight, you finish the fight, <laughs> right? And I've heard them say, "I don't teach my kid to hit, but I'm gonna, or I don't teach him to hit first, but I teach him to to fight back, yeah, to finish it, to finish it." <laughs> and that is so not biblical, right? That's the opposite of what the Bible teaches. Yeah. Uh, that was what I was taught my whole growing up. See, and like, I know, don't start it, but you better finish. But it. But you better finish it, and, <laughs> and that is it's it's just not biblical. We're taught to love, right. and we're taught to forgive, so it is a commandment. Uh, Mark eleven twenty five. He says, "If you hold anything against anyone, forgive him." It's just straight up forgive. Number six is the let go of the pain, and this is what you, what you were talking about. I think this is probably the one of the hardest steps. Uh, once you've gone through the stages above, refuse to hold on to your hurt. Mm-hmm. Don't replay the offense over and over. Allowing yourself to get sad or angry again and again will only cause more pain. Determine. It's a willful choice. Determine that you are going to choose to forgive your offender. Your emotions might not agree with this decision. You cannot control your emotions. You can control your decisions about your emotions. That's true. And um, this is where the prayer comes in. Tell God you want to forgive and ask him to change your heart towards the person who wronged you. You may want to consider voicing forgiveness to your offender, either vocally or through a letter. But again, this is impossible. It doesn't mean you haven't expressed forgiveness. I like to picture, imagine this, you have that person who you're angry against or you have to forgive in a jail cell in your heart, right? And you hold the key. And as long as you keep that person in the jail cell in your heart, you're going to become bitter. You're going to become angry. It's going to affect you. It's going to hurt you. Uh, the moment you open that jail cell and imagine yourself, literally, I, I know it's weird, but imagine yourself <laughs> walking into that jail, 
opening the door and setting that person free. Mm. And sometimes you have to do that multiple times a day, depending on the offense. Yeah. Sometimes it's once, but continually imagine that. And that's number seven, by the way. Uh, continue to forgive. The wound was deep. You'll probably have to forgive and forgive and forgive. When memories of the wrong come to mind, you find yourself getting worked up over it. Immediately go to God in prayer. Immediately reimagine yourself opening that cage and letting that person, setting that person free. Reminding yourself that you're a child of God. Reminding yourself that you've been redeemed and so you need to redeem others. Um, And the very last one, and this is tough, pray for the one who hurt you. (laughs) It may be impossible to restore a relationship with your offender. For example, you don't know where the person lives or contacting the person may be a safety risk, but you can pray for the one who hurt you. Ask God to reveal his love to your offender. Doing so will help you release any remaining resentment. Pray, 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 pray. Pray for the guy or the girl. And uh, it helps to remember this when you're praying, that God loves that person the exact same amount as he loves you. Yeah. No different. That is such a hard thing for people to get their heads around. I mean, because we look at other people, and it's, there are people we have superiority complexes oh, yeah. against people or inferiority complexes right. against people. But the thing is, we're all in the same playing field. Like we're all in the same level level playing field <laughs> as far as our sins and our forgiveness, and I, and you know we are all like infinitely important to God. Yeah, and infinitely precious to God. God loves Billy Graham the same as He loves Jeffrey Dahmer. Yes, and that's a scary thing, man. <laughs> yeah, but it's the truth, mm-hmm. and so you know you have to you have to realize that and continually forgive the person through that. Do you have anything else? Yeah. Oh yeah, tons. Go ahead, <laughs> hit it. So, um, well, I wanted to, to come off of that a little bit because yes. Uh, uh, one of the things that uh, I wanted to mention here is that forgiveness cannot begin until we admit our own failures. Oh, that's like a until big deal. we get to the point where, it, if we can't do that, we cannot forgive or receive forgiveness because right. you are an accomplice. Right. Especially if there is a family thing going on or whatever, you had a part in it, and so. Whether or not you feel vindicated or whether or not you feel like you were completely in the right, you had a part in what has gone on. And you have to come to the point to where you can admit that there's some failure sure. on your part and that you probably do deserve <laughs> or you know, to be to be asking for forgiveness That's right. as well as the other person. Um, so what I wanted to kind of look at here was a few uh, points. Uh, from this article about the the obstacles that get in our way of forgiveness, what what stops us forgive, from for, forgiving people? And I, there's two major things that that stop us: fear and misconceptions. So hmm. let's talk about fear for a minute. So um, one of the things that we fear is losing the energy that anger actually actually produces. So a lot of times it's hard to let go of a anger or um, or a grudge that we've had for years and years and years because that's who we are. It's helped to define us. And right. It's made us into something. Given us identity. Right. And so, um, you know, a, a great concept comes into my mind of um, – uh, I know I don't know if I've made reference to this much on the Theonauts, but it seems like I constantly make reference to it, um, and that's the the story Les Miserables by Victor Hugo. <laughs> oh, which is one of such my, a good one of my favorite stories, and um, it's told from the perspective of two different individuals: uh, Jean Valjean, who is uh, a prisoner set free, given grace, and he lives the rest of his life. Um, giving grace right like he real he gets his forgiveness right up front and he starts forgiving and he starts being this just uh completely altruistic person and everyone in the story is pretty miserable and that's why it's called Les Miserables but (laughs) but his opponent the antagonist of the story is um uh, Javert who is he is the constable and because Valjean breaks his parole um, 
he goes after him. Like he right. spends his entire life chasing this man. And he's all about the rule of law. This is the rule of law. You broke the rule of law. You need to. So there's a, there's a huge, cool story of law and grace going on. It's the gospel of Galatians in a and at musical. The, at near the end of the story, so uh, Javert is held prisoner. Like he gets caught um, and he is at Valjean's uh, mercy. Mercy, mm-hmm. And and they actually give the 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 revolution gives Valjean a gun and says go kill him, and he takes him into the back room, and he has the opportunity to kill his enemy, and instead he fires the gun into the air, and says leave, and offers him forgiveness for treating him and chasing him and his children for years like lets him go right. But the but the thing that this does for Javert, he doesn't know what to do about this. Like it's it's totally wrecks him. <laughs> and instead of reciprocating that love, instead of reciprocating it, he actually goes out and commits suicide because he can't reconcile it in his own mind. Right. And so that's this fear of losing this anger. Like that's defined him. Like this is who I am. And if now I don't know what to do. This man gave me grace whenever I have treated him so horribly and I have n- there's nothing left. The law has lost its power. Right. And so because he law was everything he ever knew, he commits suicide. And so sometimes we don't forgive people because that anger gets so embedded in who we are mm. and it helps define us that we're scared to let that go. That's right. Um, another fear that we might have is losing leverage. Sometimes we hold something over somebody else in, in this relationship, and we don't want to let that thing go. That's right. Because once again, we are in control. We want to be better. Yes. Uh, the ego. Mm-hmm. I mean, we are always... Uh, selfish. Selfish and wanting to to have the upper hand. And so sometimes if we know that if we forgive this person, we put ourselves back on their level. Right. And all of a sudden we lose this... This may be this thing that that was in the way. Um, So because uh, one of the things that uh, it points out here is that we have to remember that forgiveness does not guarantee that there's going to be some sort of change in the other person's behavior. So, for example, Javert, he didn't change because in fact he couldn't deal with it. Um, So the person you forgive may not change. And uh, and so that's that's a scary thing for us. Um, there's also the fear of losing, uh, hope for a better relationship. So some people have expectations for friends and family that are too high. And as years go by, repeated foolish choices and ongoing evidence of a serious character flaw devastates those who expect too much. Hmm. And in such cases, it's necessary to forgive people simply for being who and what they are and to accept what they probably are not going to change. Right. And that's really hard when we know that we want that person to change, but we know if until we realize that person may never change, forgive them anyway. And Oof, that's a tough. That thing. that is really really hard. Um, there's also this fear of losing some sort of image of superiority if you think you're right and the other person's wrong. <laughs> and so this is one of the things that I think comes up in James uh, four. Verse 6, he says, But he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace Grace to the humble. humble. So um, it is is to our own good that we humble ourselves in this because... um, Just because we might see ourselves as the good guy and he's the bad guy, um, we need to picture ourselves... Uh, on a on a more level playing field, uh, and not be so proud. So the other reasons, the other obstacle to forgiving people might be our misconceptions about what forgiveness really is, because um, sometimes we start thinking that okay, well if if I do this, then if I forgive them, and let's say they didn't even ask for forgiveness, right? Right. Then I'm simply condoning their bad behavior. <laughs> like that's what we think that forgiveness might. 
might be. But who are you to condone or uncondone anything to begin with? <laughs> right. Um, so but once we understand that the act of forgiving does not compromise our moral standard right. by condoning the offense, we are just simply uh, putting ourselves in a position to forgive people and even worse things. Uh, to, to forgive is not saying what you did is okay. It is saying the consequences of your behavior belongs to God and not to me. Yes. That's the big deal. You place it in God's hands, right? The whole thing. Right. It's a big deal. Get out of the way. Right. Yeah. <laughs> You're not the judge, jury, and executioner. Not at all. So get off of that. Get out of that position and be willing to forgive somebody. Forgiving somebody is not forgetting what happened. And this is often because people say, forgive and forget. And um, the, the thing is, it would be foolish to erase from our minds some of the wrongs that have been done to us. Right. And so uh, asking or giving forgiveness is not the same as forgetting it completely. Like we can still learn from, um, you know, if we've been burned, how to respond the next time. Right. Uh, it doesn't you, forgiving somebody doesn't mean you're necessarily going to put yourself in a vulnerable position over and over and over and over again. It simply means that you're releasing holding this person accountable in your heart hmm. uh, for what happened. Um, forgiveness is not restoring trust in that person necessarily. So sometimes that's a big deal. People think that well. You've forgiven me, so now you have to completely trust me. Or you think that, well, in order to forgive that person, I have to completely trust, trust that person. The, there's a difference between forgiveness and trust. Mm-hmm. And um, forgiveness is required. But when a person is repeatedly messed up, you'd be foolish to just trust that person anymore. Yeah, trust is often earned. This is kind of a fine line for me because I look at um, the perfect love of God mm. and and even if we read in, in 1 Corinthians 13, it talks about love believes all things. Oh, that's true. Hopes all which, things, which, which believes is all a, things. Which is about trust. That's the whole point of, of that. Um, mm. But there is, I'm not saying there's a limit to love, but there's a wisdom that must be employed while loving and while trusting, right. So, um, so for example, if you're if you're forgiving a pedophile, it would be foolish to ask them to be your babysitter because you forgave them, right? Right. I mean, that, and that's not even loving them. Right. That, that is inviting disaster. Like you, so the, you can love all things. You can hope all or believe all things and hope all things without. Putting yourself in harm's way. Correct. You mean to be wise in the matter, right? Uh, because because the how that's going to impact others and how that's going to affect others. I mean, you don't want to put innocence at, at, at exactly in any any sort of danger or anything like that. But at the same time, you have to give a person the benefit of the doubt, mm-hmm. and uh, and so. But that doesn't really come into play with the forgiveness side of it. The forgiveness part of it is you don't have to necessarily say, hey, I'm completely trusting you now because I'm forgiving you. Uh, Those are two separate things. Um, So your forgiveness is not uh, determined by their their actions or their response to your forgiveness. Um, So another thing that uh, it is not, it is not agreeing to reconcile. So sometimes, um, you know, forgiveness is a necessary step toward reconciliation, but reconciliation is not necessarily the goal of forgiveness. Right. Uh, Sometimes you can agree to disagree, go your own ways. You can still forgive somebody and say, my best way to love you is to not be reconciled to you. Like, we should probably go our own ways or whatever. There, there are ways to love people without necessarily um, reconciling. Right. And not to say that reconciliation isn't a good idea uh, in any case. Um, it's just not the end game. But that's not the purpose. That's yeah. not the point of right. what forgiveness is. And, of course, all of this is situational. So it, um, it could change depending yeah. on any given situation. 
but um, your forgiveness is not necessarily doing the other person a favor. And we kind of mentioned this uh, before that um, that you're not you're not doing this for them. You're doing this for you, right? Because this is what God wants of you, and this is good for you. Like this is good for your health. <laughs> so you're not doing the person a favor. Um, in Judaism, forgiveness is not required unless repentance is demonstrated and pardon is sought. But Jesus raised that standard of forgiveness to a higher level, and according to him, we are to forgive even those who remain unrepentant. And forgiveness benefits the giver at least as much as the receiver, so we extend it whether or not the person even asked for it. Um, Amen. And then, of course, forgiveness is not easy. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> so um, that's kind of the 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 end of, of what I've got because, you know, we're not trying to say, hey, it's simple. Go out there, just do this. Um, we know that this is, it, life is messy, man. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're going to get ourselves into situations that are hard to get out of. And the advice is to forgive, but we know that can be painful, that it can be uh, fearful, um, and that it can actually cause you a lot of problems mm-hmm. uh, to try and get there. But so we know it's not easy. It's something that requires a lot of grace, a lot of prayer, and a lot of faithfulness to allow God to work in you to do that. And I believe that if we if we dedicate ourselves to the practice of forgiveness you'll find yourself to be happier. Right. Well, and you'll be molded so much more into the the likeness of Christ. Yes, which in and of itself makes us happier. Exactly. Amen. All right, man. You got some news for us? Hey, I do. And now, the news. So I'm super excited about this one. Uh, New Narnia movies are headed to Netflix. <laughs> I saw that. That's oh, right. Yes. Um, it's not clo- totally clear whether this means the new movies, a TV series based on the books, or some combination of both. It's possible that Netflix is looking for this to be their Game of Thrones, <laughs> with considerably <laughs> less nudity, probably. A sweeping fantasy so. epic in which a few books can be effectively <laughs> broken up into a television serializing format. But as recently as last year, there was word that Captain America, the first Avenger director, Joe Johnston, was working on a Silver Chair movie. That appears to no longer be the case, as these movies will be a full reboot, unconnected from the franchise that kicked off in 2005. You know what what I think they should do? (coughs) This would probably go against their grain, but I think they should start with The Magician's Nephew. I agree. Just because it's... it's, Progressive, like it's like it's chronological, mm-hmm. chronological. Instead of, I mean, I know that the Lion and the Witch and the Wardrobe is the natural place to start because it was the first book and and all that, and it's the most powerful, really. Right. But um, but I think it would be really um, cool. I think I think uh, the Voyage of the Dawn Treader is my favorite. Book. That's is that the third? That's the third book, yeah. or in the chronological in the order. chronological order. Yeah, Horse and His Boy would be no. I have to admit, Horse and His Boy would be sad. I really like The Voyage of the Dawn Treader, too. That's that's one the of the whole story of Eustace favorite. is just oh, powerful. Yeah. So good. Like when he's that dragon and mm-hmm. then then Aslan rips off his scales. It's yes. just so good. Beautiful. Well, okay, so here's my vote. So if you're listening and listening <laughs> listen, if you're listening and, 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 and I can't even talk tonight. <laughs> if you're listening, Netflix, here's what I suggest. I'm sure they are. <laughs> I would be. I say you do a season per book. Oh, that'd be brilliant. And start with Magician's Nephew. Work your way through the process. Because then you're getting into Lion of the Witch in the Wardrobe, second season. That's still early. You're you're hitting your stride. But it usually takes a good two seasons for right. a series to hit its stride anyway. Then boom, Lion of the Witch in the Wardrobe. And then Voyage of the Dawn Treader, oh, season yeah. three. Well, Horse and, the, Horse and His Boy was oh. season three. Oh, was it? Voyage of the Dawn. Yeah, because that I happened. Horse and the Boy was four. No, it happened during. It, well, it was fourth written. But it happened during the time of 
uh, High King, Peter, and Edmund, and Lucy, gotcha, and gotcha, Susan. Gotcha. So it would be right after the line of the Witch in the Wardrobe, the horse and the boy was there. Yeah. Which, I mean, it's totally un- unconnected. Yeah, so. my, that's my least favorite I like the, of the books. I like the silver chair, too, just because of the character of Puddle Glum. It's just, mm-hmm, like, brilliant. Mm-hmm. But anyways... All right, what so else? we just totally geeked out on that. Yeah, we did. Uh, <laughs> historical evidence for the biblical account of Exodus has been discovered. Um, recently, at the Jordan Valley site of near the Jordan River, archaeologists found ruins from a nomadic people believed to be Hebrews coming from Egypt. Mm. One of the archaeologists who made the discovery says it's very possible that these camps are from a period of the early Israelites. If they are, this might fit the biblical story of the Israelites coming from the east um, of the Jordan River, then crossing the Jordan and entering into the hill country of Israel later. Which is a big deal, by the way. Uh, By the end of the 2017 season, we were struck by the fascinating picture that had begun to emerge in the Jordan Valley, a region that until recently has been virtually unknown archaeologically. Within a range of just a couple miles, we may be able to see the evolution of early Israel from a domestic scale culture to a political scale culture. Mm. So hold on Intriguing. to your hats. Because that's a, been one of the big arguments all along. Oh, yeah. There's like, no no the, evidence of the Exodus. Well, I watched a movie that blew me away. They This guy claims that they're dating it wrong. They're really? putting it during the time of... Uh, Ramses, uh, well, not Ramses, but um, a different pharaoh, right? Then it should have been. And if you, I think Ramses is the the traditional pharaoh of of the Moses story. If you put it back a couple hundred years, Mm -hmm. you see um, evidence all over the place. He says, interesting, huh? Like even there's a little little town. um, Okay, so they lived. Was it Goshen? Yes. Where they live, right outside of Egypt, of yeah, Cairo, area. Cairo, yeah. Well, um, right near where Goshen is, they they found a settlement of nomadic type people. Hmm. They found a a palace. It looks like a palace mm-hmm. with a tomb, and inside it's it's a it's a it's a um, political tomb. Um, because it has a, a small pyramid okay. with it. And they went in, there's a statue that was overturned. And the statue looks, does not look Egyptian. It looks like an Israelite man. Really? Or it looks like a Hebrew or this nomadic tribe. Ah, <laughs> oh, interesting. And the tomb is empty. So what does that tell you? Well, whenever they left, they took the bones of Joseph. Right, right. Right? Uh-huh. So there's all this evidence. So there's This house has 12 pillars. Which is nice, like all this, all this evidence. So uh, I forget the name of the book, our name of the documentary. I got to show it to you. I keep telling you about it, and then <laughs> we never watch it. But we got to check it out. Okay, um, Brad Paisley and his wife partnered with a Christian university to open a free grocery store for families in need. I thought that was really cool. <laughs> Um, Paisley and his wife, actually, a- actress Kimberly Williams Paisley, have collaborated with Belmont University in setting up a free grocery store called The Store. The store will be a partnership with Second Harvest Food Bank of Middle Tennessee with the hope of providing food for at least 3,000 people per year. Um, that's pretty cool uh, that they're doing that. I think that's just amazing. This is a grocery store with dignity for people who have fallen on hard times. All of us are one unforeseen disaster away from rock bottom. It's nice to think about a place where this happens to someone. They can use it to get back on their feet. That's cool. So thank you, Brad Paisley. And uh, I'll start listening to your music a little bit more, I guess. (laughs) Although I can't. I don't know. I'll kind of pass on that. Well, I I went to a concert. He's an amazing guitarist. Really? Yeah, you should check out his guitar licks. Wow. He's just unbelievable. Okay, and then I got some Pope news. Brothers and sisters. Come together. <laughs> Hallelujah. The Pope is here. Thanks, Meredith. All right. <laughs> the Pope's approval rating has plummeted among Christians. 
For years, Pope Francis has been a popular figure among Catholics and non-Catholics alike for his emphasis on social issues. The Pope has been a strong advocate for things like serving the poor, combating climate change, caring for the refugees. However, the Vatican's mishandling and even cover-up of wide sex, uh, widespread sexual abuse among members of the clergy have urged many to rethink think their support of the Pope. As Christianity Today notes, two major studies have found Pope Francis's popularity is plummeting. Even outside of the Catholic Church, among U.S. Catholics, his popularity has fallen from 84% to 72% in the last year. According to Pew, 32% of white evangelicals have favorable views of the Pope. Last year, that number was 52%. So... Wow. Poor Pope. Yeah, he's getting, he's a losing the he's polls. Like uh, beat it down. He now. needs to, you know, do some more uh, homeless <laughs> food <laughs> stuff and uh, invite people for his birthday. You know, yes. good luck, Pope. Happy birthday! It's a Pope. All right, that's all I got, dude. That's all you got? Yeah, that's it. I didn't have much. Okay, well, I don't think I got anything else. So well, let's uh, get out of here then. Where's our scripts? I I put them away. But. Oh. I, at least I have them. That's, That's right. That's a big deal. <laughs> One time you didn't. <laughs> it's kind of a big deal. <laughs> All right, okay, here, we, here go. we go. The Theonauts are part of the Great Commission Transmission Network. We use new media and social networking to go into all the world and proclaim the good news to everyone. To find out more, go to gctnetwork.com, subscribe to the newsletter, and stay up to date with all of our shows, including Finding Christ in Cinema and the Secret Fire podcast. Visit our website at theonautspodcast.com for show notes and outlines. Listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or your favorite podcast catcher, and be sure to rate us because that helps us reach a larger audience. There are several ways you can contact us and leave us feedback. Send us email to theonauts at gctnetwork.com or call us on our voicemail line 972-885-7270. Tweet to us on Twitter using at Theonautical. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash theonauts. If you like us and want even more Theonauts, drop us a buck or two at patreon.com slash theonauts. Your patronage helps us in our expenses like hosting fees and equipment costs. And don't forget to tune in again and explore the vast reaches of God's word with us. All right, Jeremiah, thanks for being here, brother. Thank you, David. I forgive you. Thanks. This has been the Theonauts Podcast. Call us with your questions or comments at 972-885-7270. That's 972 972- Eight eight five seven two seven zero. Love to hear from you. You are tuned in to the GCT Network. This is your great commission. This is your great commission transmission at gctnetwork.com. This is your great commission transmission. Dan, what is your deal? If anybody doesn't know, Dan is the worst. Brothers and sisters. Come together, hallelujah, the Pope is here.